Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to another episode of Under the Macroscope, our weekly podcast. And we welcome back from a fairly short sabbatical uh, chief <laughs> strategist in the London office of Skybound Capital, Jabir Sadawala. He's had uh, two well-deserved weeks off the podcast, but that means he's come back armed uh, with loads of information. And coming up later, we're going to be talking about some fascinating statistics and arguments around the return to work strategy post-COVID and what it means for landlords, for tenants, and for businesses as a whole. But before we get there, Jabir, uh, one of the big stories, certainly for us out here in South Africa in the last week, has been the continued strength of emerging market currencies. Uh, the RAND going to uh, long-term highs against uh, all major currencies. What's going on in EMs? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Good to be back. And um, yeah, lots happened um, over the last three weeks or so. So I think it's a combination of factors here. Um, you know, we are, first of all, seeing a huge economic pickup. I mean, by any standard, if you look at the data, particularly the activity numbers as reflected by um, manufacturing and services PMI, um, we are seeing some really substantial pickups here, uh, very comfortably in expansion territory. Um, that means people, you know, factories are humming. People are producing things. If they are producing things, they need, um, they need raw materials. And where do you go for the raw materials? So that will definitely be an impact, especially on commodity uh, producers like South Africa. So that's constantly going on in the background. Um, but I, th I think a more recent phenomenon is uh, around the employment numbers in America. And uh, I, I would say be very careful with these. There's, uh, there's a, a, a view here as expressed by both the April and May payroll numbers that um, you know, things are not going to pick up as quickly as people originally thought. And as a result of that, um, the dollar has sold off. So that's it's more a case of the dollar selling off rather than emerging market currencies, including the RAND, going up. Uh, um, but just uh, a word of caution here. Um, there are uh, contradicting... Uh, stats. For instance, if you poll um, small to medium-sized businesses, they are still struggling like mad to find labor, to, to the point that they're now offering incentives to actually get people out of their holes and come back to work. Um, you know, McDonald's recently uh, has started contemplating giving a pay rise of 10% to over 36,500 uh, of its workers. This is a big step. Um, and there are plenty of other examples of, of companies that are trying to dangle carrots here. Um, Talking of dangling in, carrots, in America, I heard of another fast food chain in the last week that was offering an iPhone as a sign-on bonus. <laughs> well, I'm ready to. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, uh, that's that's not a bad um, that's not a bad bad temptation, frankly. Um, it might do the trick. Who knows? You know, I mean, I, th I think I think the point here is that. In America, especially, they are now reviewing these uh, subsidies, the, this $300 a week uh, subsidy that's being given um, in, in something like uh, 25 Republican controlled states. Uh, they want to get rid of it. Um, and those same states account for over 40 percent of the total workforce. So that's how significant it is. So 
I, I would say to people, just be careful. Um, these these lower than an, uh, anticipated numbers do not imply that something's wrong in the economy. You know, there's no slow slowdown. If you look at the, the the job adverts, if you look at the quits ratio, the rate at which people are quitting their jobs, and so on and so on, it's very very strong. All of this, you know, there's a there's a thriving job market there. Um, it's just that it's leaving a vacuum. And this is where we've got to be careful. And another statistic that I came across is that in the emerging market world, in order to tame or try and tame inflation, um, 37 of them have seen a net increase in interest rates by their central banks. Uh, there was a net one increase versus a net four increase in April. Um, you know, Brazil raised its rates uh, 75 basis points or 0.75%. Uh, uh, this is the second in a row because it's, it's seeing a rising inflation issue. Um, Armenia hiked rates to 6%, while Ghana surprised markets with a 1%, a whole 1% rise to take it up to 13.5%. Um, now, in Africa, you have to remember that... Um, as across emerging markets, and I've written and we've talked about this before, there is a theme around food inflation. And one of the ways to try and curb your input inflation is by having a stronger currency, mm. because it just means that your input costs are lowered. That's all it is. It's a, it's a, it's a currency effect, but it's a very powerful way of doing things. Um, so, you know, any attempt to try and just uh, keep cool things down on that side of life is going to be welcome. Um, but it has adverse effects because it, it means that exports become uh, more expensive. So, you know, what, what does this mean potentially from a portfolio allocation perspective? Well, I think, I th I think it shows that emerging markets, uh, which have already benefited from uh, reallocation towards it, now, you know, a potential investor gets a, a further boost because you're seeing an increase in the local currency. So that's something to factor in as well. Just before we get on to our property topic, the commercial property side of things, just a, a quick word on resources. You, you've mentioned them already, the, the way that they have rallied globally, that uh, manufacturing numbers are up. I know you've always been a bit of a South Africa bull, uh, but, but given this uh, surge in, in resource uh, consumption, good news for South Africa, in your opinion? I think very much so. And it's, it's even more compelling when you look at, uh, for instance, so let's take the uh, automotive market. Okay, you know, as, as I think most people know, there's this huge shift to electric vehicles, yeah. right? Now the consumption of raw materials and particularly metals and specific metals in electric vehicles is, is more intense than ever before. And when you look at the list of countries that you can go to, to get those raw materials, those uh, uh, metal sources, elements, um, you know, there are very few actually. It's actually a condensed list. And, you know, I'm glad to say South Africa's on it. So I heard, I saw one headline that, that said that um, copper is the new gold. And that's a very telling headline because now the consumption of, you know, the demand for things like copper um, but by no means limited to copper, is, is going to become very, very uh, acute. Yeah, I also read about uh, an increased demand for platinum as well, which all as well uh, yeah. for South Africa. Jabs, let's talk about uh, 
commercial property. Uh, you've you've had your time off the podcast, but we've been uh, consuming on a weekly basis your uh, very excellent written week in review, which sums up a whole lot of macro issues. And a couple of weeks ago, you highlighted a Reuters poll around uh, sort of return to work policies, how that's impacting uh, landlords, tenants, and, and how different objectives and different agendas uh, from the various role players are coming into sharp focus right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a great article and um, I'm, I'm pleased I came across this. So it actually started off with residential property markets. And uh, what Reuters did in this poll was to uh, interview something like over 100 property market experts over a period um, between the 11th to the 24th of May. And the general conclusion, I mean, so we, you know, we're talking countries like US, UK, Canada, Australia, Dubai. The conclusion was that uh, residential property markets um, would absolutely soar. And underlying theme is that, you know, people um, are moving from urban to less urban. Um, and despite the increasing input costs for building a property, things like lumber, which we've spoken about before, um, it's not really stopping them. We're seeing staggering you know, house price increases. But what struck me, um, and also, by the way, in, in, in the UK, you know, typically London has led the way, but this time London is seeing the, the, the lowest increase, about just shy of 3.5% year on year. But the outer regions, from north to south, southwest, southeast, etc., cetera, um, we're seeing close on double-digit rises. So there's a very big shift going on here. Um, the article then went on to look at working habits. Now, one thing that I've, I'm quite fascinated by, and, um, and it's still early days, is how has life changed after COVID? And one topic that comes up all the time is, you know, oh, yes, this has changed our lives in a big way, and especially the lifestyle working, you know, remote versus hybrid. So hybrid being part home, part work. Um, and at first glance, you'd think, yeah, okay, that makes sense. Um, but the article then went on to have a look at uh, this whole business about flexibility. And I don't think it's so straightforward because you have two different groups here at play. So you have obviously the big commercial real estate owners who have vested interest in supporting anything that's hybrid because they want, at the end of the day, people um, to go in and take up their office space again. And at the, on the other side, you have the employers, employees, and of course, the public transport operators who, um, um, who are saying that it's not so easy to, um, you know, to actually uh, operate like that because it's very expensive and inefficient. And as a, as a London transport user, you know, yes, I've seen a pickup lately, but it's not back anywhere near uh, pre-COVID levels. You know, those horrible experiences of being stuck on a tube, you know, and um, standing room only. Um, so that's extremely expensive. So I can't help coming to the conclusion that um, where an employer can break their lease and actually, uh, and provided there's little or no penalty attached to it, then why would they, um, why would they just suddenly uh, um, facilitate remote working? because there's an additional expense in helping that employee to kit out their office at home. Doesn't matter how big or small it is, but there's, there's something that has to be done. So they're paying a fixed cost for their lease, 
which they can't get out of. Now suddenly they've got uh, employees who potentially are looking for or might wish to work from home. So actually their real lease cost has gone up because you know on a per head basis, it's now higher. Um, and then what, let's just look at this whole business about efficiency because nobody ever looks at that. Um, it's always very easy and grand to talk about efficiency and how much better you can work from home. But some interesting stats. So if all employees work from an office, naturally you get 100% collaboration, right? That's a no-brainer. If that now reduces to four days per week, that collaboration drops to 64%. If you reduce it to three days per week, it actually halves further still to 34%. For two days, it's 16%. And obviously one day a week, it's, a, it's an abysmal 4%. And one thing that certainly I've, I've come across is people say they miss the interaction. They've been struggling to close deals because they haven't had that chance to have that face-to-face -face meeting. Um, so then what do you do? And there's a health side because, you know, you're not getting up and moving around and going to the office, getting that walk in. Um, so I just don't think it's going to be that straightforward. Um, and it, for me, it starts with the employer. If an employer can break out of that clause, fine. Then they'll look at something different. But from what I'm seeing, London prime areas, no landlord's going to give it up. Right. So then this week, um, I came across uh, another article, and this was very, um, very fortuitous, on the same thing about hybrid working, but specifically referring to banks. And in this one, NatWest announced that it expects about 13%, 1-3% of its staff to return to uh, primarily office-based working, while 55% will adopt hybrid working and 32% a remote first model, um, i.e. minimum two days uh, you know, per month, two days per month. So this is for banks. And then HSBC um, is aiming to cut its office footprint by 40% over the long term. It didn't specify what that timescale is, um, but they are, HSBC is one of the banks that's in, uh, in, in full office, um, uh, cost cutting mode. Um, it took Deutsche Bank a long time to cut its costs and it's now become a leader again. Um, I'm starting to see it, you know, on the buy lists of, of many institutions. Uh, so you can see where this is going. So they are, I think COVID has potentially presented these uh, banks, especially an opportunity to expedite something that had already started before COVID. Now they've just got an excuse to ramp it up a bit. Um, NatWest, incidentally, was very quick to say that they have no immediate plans to close more offices. Well, let's just let's just watch that space. But how much real estate stock is going to come back onto the market? I mean, there are banks everywhere. What's going to happen with these real estate stocks? Um, are they going to go to commercial world or are we going to see flats being made out of them? Because there's obviously a big demand for property right now, residential. Uh, as to my earlier comments. So it's, you know, developers are going to have a field day. Um, but one should not confuse, and this is a sort of headline thing that will happen, one should not confuse the fact that banks are now looking to restructure um, um, by, by taking advantage 
of a situation that helps facilitate their cost-cutting uh, program. That's what, to me, that's what it does. Um, but it doesn't change anything as far as I'm concerned in commercial world. Well, it uh, also leads to a fascinating topic for a, a future podcast and the, the rise in digital banking services yeah. and the specialization thereof. Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, I completely agree. Um, it's the kind of role that can and should be done, you know, by telephone banking. Um, I always want the comfort of knowing that I can speak to somebody. Well, for that, you don't need an office. The last time I went into a bank, honestly, it was just such a long time ago. It was ridiculous. So, um, uh, no, it's, it, this is going to be, this is leading to a, a very different model, but not to be confused with the wider commercial real estate world. Well, I have to say, I mean, I, I can't wait to collaborate with you in person again. It's been uh, way too long. And it's also been it too long that you've been off the podcast. So it's uh, great to have you back. And uh, we're not going to let you go off on another sabbatical right now because we've got some great topics for next week as well. But as always, great to catch up with you, get your views. Uh, always fascinating. And to see how uh, they play out uh, in investment strategies and uh, allocations. So... Thanks for your, your time and, and your views. We look forward to the next one. Uh, don't forget that you can uh, access the Under the Macroscope podcast on uh, Apple, Spotify, and on the Google podcast platform for Android. And all our past podcasts are available at Skybound Capital's website at www.skyboundcapital.com. Till next week on Under the Macroscope, have a great week.